I'm not <laughs> here too. Inside the house. Yeah. I'm like, is it's it on my blanket? Where is it? Is it on me? Is it my poop? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. Unknown poop. That's not good. I suppose so. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it does match it's our gonna like that. It's going to be like that. Yeah. It's going to be like Parasite, like that Korean movie Parasite, where it's like there's another person in the house. Oh, I would, that's so terrifying. I'm paranoid of that shit all the time. Uh, uh, there's somebody else who's living in the house. They're living in the basement or something. Like, what? <laughs> no. Let's play the game. Find the poo. <laughs> Where's the poo, everyone? Where's the poo? Is it like Battleship? Is it like the grid? Yeah, yeah. A ten. E four. Come on. E four. We still don't know where the poo is. Are we alive? If you hit it, does it make the does make the sound? See the the battle poop. Battle poop. Oh, we're live. We're live. We conquer battle poop. Oh, it's Saturday night. Yes. And you are all back. And yes, Rebecca, I did start the show by. Uh, they, they weren't my pants. This is actually my my blankie here. Come on, I wouldn't wear snowman pants. Yes, that's you my, would. Yes, you would. My, well, yeah, I probably would. You're, you're <laughs> right. I probably would. Uh, yeah. So it's Saturday night. We're this is like the master podcaster episode. I don't know anyone else who's a decent podcaster. I can't even think of anyone who's not on this show right now. This is literally. Tread carefully, sir. It Tread carefully. Oh, you're you're <laughs> doing it too much honor there. Yeah. The boss is listening. <laughs> Scraping the bottom of the barrel if you got me on. Come on. I'll take an ego stroke. <laughs> Come on, you're not my cat. The cat, which, by the way, took off. I, I yes, probably to finish pooping. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. It's Spilling Ink Live, but you know where you are or what you're watching or listening or whatever you're doing right now. It's all good. Uh, hopefully, you guys are probably getting ready to watch season two of The Umbrella Academy. <gasps> oh, is that it, out? It just dropped yesterday. Yes! I've already watched episode one, and now I kind of feel like I should have rewatched the whole first season because, oh my God, I'm already, I've already got chills. I don't know who Joe is, Rebecca. I don't know who this Joe is, but uh, oh wait, you know what? Sponsor. Before we go too much further, <laughs> I'm going to turn things over to the great and mighty Captain Katie, the train wreck, Salitis, to do the business stuff that we're supposed to do at the beginning of every show. Take it away. That's right. And and speaking of the best and brightest, he may not be here right now, but Joe Compton of Go Indie Now, our top sponsor for the evening, the boss. Uh, he is our our. Would you stop that? <laughs> Take on. Now you've just completely ruined my whole intro. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Try again. Uh, uh, deep breath. Deep, deep breath. Deep professional. breath. Professional. Okay, you're a professional. Or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, here we go. Go Indie Now, the online indie artist network who offer exciting new content weekly, monthly, and seasonally, all of which highlight, support, and promote indie artists of all kinds. So you can check them out at goindienow.com, subscribe to their YouTube channel, or follow them on Facebook. And remember, it's always time to go Indie Now. Go Indie Now. Hey, Joe. I'm gonna hear about this after the show, you guys. I don't know. Are you gonna hear about Jay trying to do the "We Will Rock You" sound? I'll give you an out. I will give you. I'll give you an out, Katie. I'll give you an out right now. Joe is more a media mogul than a podcaster. He's got so much stuff in syndication that he might even like surpass the whole podcaster. He's just a media guru. Go with that. I think one. If he's listening to this. He'd be like, you're full of shit, but I like it. And that's totally <laughs> fine, right? And, and number two, number two, actually, it's not that far from the truth. Considering the amount of stuff he syndicates on a weekly basis, right? Honestly, he has his own channel. He's built himself a heck of a niche, a heck of an empire. I have nothing but respect and admiration for Joe. Actually calling him a podcaster honestly is small. He's much bigger than that. I'm not, no, no joke. No joke. Net, network network executive. I, oh, not, I like that too. I like media mogul and network executive. But I'll, I'll tell also, you what. 
but he also hosts all of his shows too. He's not only running the back end, he is hosting. That, that, but, but again, all the editing. But that, I mean, he's but like, again, that's but that's my point. He does so much. Like the call him just a podcaster. Honestly, and I'm not like knocking my trying to belittle myself. Is a bit is a bit small because he he does so much more, and that's legit. So, so I mean, we backhanded complimenting ourselves now. Yes, I like it. I like this. I like this idea. This really fit, suits my personality well. It does. Yeah. Well, well no, before see, always, oh no, see, always build the person you, the, the people around you up. It's actually good because actually also makes you on the back end look good too because you're going out of your way to build someone up, right? You don't have to do that ever, right? So you build someone up, you're actually quietly also building yourself up. It's true. So that's tip number else, one yeah. for this show, guys. Write that it, down. It, it's great. Yeah. Build other people up. You know, yeah. that's not that hard, really. Yeah. I find no. it much easier to talk about other people than, than I do myself. But be, yeah. before we go any further and before he steals the show, we better introduce Joshua Pantoloresco. <laughs> I, I I, I'm Josh. I steal shows. It's what I do. He's a show thief. Hi. Uh, well, <laughs> I got and, my show back finally after Josh stole it like two months ago. It's like somebody joyriding a joy riding a bike out in the rain for two months. <laughs> it's all rusty, but it still works. Yay! There you go. At least it still works, right? <laughs> well, and on the bottom right hand of your screen, I'm gonna attempt his name tonight. It's Tim Niederreiter. Excellent. You got Is that it right. right. That's correct. Hey, you did Joshua's last name. I think that's harder. Two points for Jay. Yes, yes. Spelling-wise, it's trickier. To yes. Yeah, no, I, I always have to look it up to spell your name, Josh. I just, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you just got the two, you just got the two guests with the weirdest last names. Yeah. But yours spells the way it sounds. Yeah, the two R's is the only thing that's really tricky about yours. Mine doesn't quite sound like it's actually pronounced. Well, there's an I before the E, though. That's the other yeah, thing. It's, a lot it's, of people get that wrong. Yeah, like they got it wrong perfect. on my driver's license. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! I, 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 I got the ultimate trump card. I was a spelling bee tiebreaker. Oh, nice! What? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Spelling bee tiebreaker. Everybody kind of hated me, except for me. <laughs> I enjoyed it quite much. Like I, I couldn't. They wouldn't let me participate on that one. That's okay. Yeah, banned from spelling bees. Add that to your resume. Yeah, that's, that's notoriety right there. That's <laughs> yeah. Rough. Well, speaking of notoriety, both of you guys need to announce what your podcasts are, which we have put in the show notes so that people can find you. But so, Josh, go first. Oh, you want me to go first? My show is called Just Joshing. I've been doing it now for over 400 episodes. It is the Aurora Award winning podcast, which I interview authors and other creatives about life, the universe, and everything. Topics range from PTSD to glitter and everything in between you can possibly imagine. I like that. He's got it nice and concise too. You know he's been doing it for a while. All right, Tim. Well, watch, well, watch me ramble then. Um, so my name, my show is called just uh, it's called the Live After Reading, not just Josh and Jesus. I just, just read it. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm stealing that. Try to steal Josh's show this time. So anyway, uh, my show is called the Live After Reading. I talk to authors. I've been doing it for about three years. Uh, I'm on season, so I'm on season two because seasons are 100 episodes long on a live after reading because we don't uh, we don't uh, go for the, we go for the gold on a live after reading by which I mean I do because it's just me and my guests it's it's fun it's just ca casual conversation is not that different from this one. I, I always like doing the casual conversation. I feel like you get so much more of the person's personality when you're just conversing rather than when you're like, all right, what do you do? What is your book about? What is it? And you're just hammering them. What apart. are you about? Do, do, do you want to hear a fun story? So. Somebody I somebody I know who uh, is a just wrote a, a political book wouldn't come on my show because it was too casual. Oh. <laughs> what could you say? I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, like, can you imagine trying to be involved in a political thing, a political situation, if you were going on the show talking about your cat's poop? Yeah, from the beginning of the episode. Well, and speaking yeah. of guys, yeah, there we go. Does anyone want to see my freshly shaved kitty? <laughs> you can see all the muscles moving. That's it's yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, look at this little pooch down here too. She's oh, all yeah. chubby now. 
Kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> Covering your belly with the cat belly. Like all after being locked up for how many months now? <laughs> hey, I don't know about you, but I actually lost weight during quarantine. I oh, <laughs> I, 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 it's just a matter. It's just a matter of uh, you know trying hard. I mean, I, 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 I've gained like five pounds. So I'm, I'm quarantined <laughs> with a chef in training. <laughs> well, okay, I'm, yeah, I. I sympathy to you. I mean, I just I just tried to stop eating breakfast, basically, and that's how I did it. My my daughter was in the culinary program in her high school, and I'm not sure what's going to happen this year with distance learning. Mm. Um, but that's part of the CTE program, so she's actually learning how to work in an industrial kitchen and how to become a chef. And and so at the end of last year, her assignments from her teacher for distance learning looked like episodes of Chopped. <laughs> five ingredients from the pantry and make something. And while, yes, she has made some amazing foods, we've also had more food than we normally eat because of this. Mm -hmm. And she's continued it through the summer. In fact, last week was cake week. Oh, no. Oh, no. Birthday cake for her boyfriend's I, I, I don't, I don't really feel that much sympathy for Katie at all, actually. Now, upon <laughs> hearing all this, I, I feel no sympathy at all. Four days straight of different types of cake to determine which oh. one she's going to make for the final. Yes. And yes, we ate them all. Uh, I mean, so, that's, that sounds again, like great suffering, Katie. It sounds yeah, 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 yeah. So, so does anyone here feel sorry for Katie? No, no. <laughs> she's living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, good stuff, Katie. Uh, that sounds amazing. Look at that. There, somebody else is familiar with Cake Week. <laughs> there's also, there's yeah, also yeah, you yeah. know Pie Day, Pie Day Cake Week, the great the great feast of the Revere Floats, whatever. We spent an entire week on Southern style buttermilk biscuits, which she can make from scratch now, and they are delicious. Oh, wow. so, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it might be, it might be a slow, um, uh, it might be a slow gain for you, but it feels like you've had a joyous, like a joyous uh, time there, Katie, on, on the whole journey. It's like, oh my god, this is so sweet and tasty. Um, I just can't stop eating it. It's awful for me though. Full <laughs> <laughs> oh, sugar. You, ter you, 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 terrible, terrible thing. Like, 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 like you know, eh. See, Rebecca's got my back. Gained 20 pounds from Cake Week. I feel like her husband did no? not really worry about that so much. I just, I'm just saying, grand scheme of things, in that moment, it was worth it. Yeah, I don't think he was oh, suffering. There, yeah. there was one cake she made. There, one cake that she made was the absolute most perfect vanilla sponge. And I'll tell you what, it was gone in five minutes. And that wasn't day one cake. That was like day four cake. And everyone went back for second. So, so, so fast. Sympathy for Katie. No one? Mm. Nobody? Nobody? No. <laughs> but she was just telling us she was having a, a rough week. I'm like, what? She's over there just eating cake. And uh, yeah, like literally. Yeah, how terrible. Cake. Your daughter. No, no. You know what you should do? You know what you should be doing? You, you should have your daughter make cakes and sell them right now because I, everybody would be very happy. Like comfort food during COVID. I mean, that would be an easy little gig for her. And she's practice. Well, that's or what she's doing. Actually, she's making it for her boyfriend's father for his birthday next week. So she was perfecting it so she could give him that as a birthday present. Naturally, you gotta just you gotta practice a lot. You gotta you know you can't make a cake without breaking some eggs. Yeah, that's yeah. well. That's literally <laughs> true. <laughs> that was, that's my favorite kind of joke. The kind of isn't a joke. Oh, good. Well, hi, Rebecca. It's it's good to see you on here. I was just talking about you before we went live. I was talking about the book we're working on. Or wait, maybe we're not talking about that yet. Um, I was Secret talking book. about something else unrelated. I was talking about how cool you are and stuff. Spoilers. Anyhow, what were okay. we talking about? Oh, I have a question. This is going to be totally off topic from cakes. Um, and it's actually going to be kind of like authory related. I know, shocking for me. And look, I wrote it down on this cute little notepad here. So professional. Uh, it's and it, is, it is. It's it's quite colorful. And all the note says is what to ask cover designer. So what what that what I meant though is say I'm writing a story right now. The story has a certain feel. I know the story. I know I want a kick-ass cover for it. How do I communicate to a cover designer like Captain Katie, the train wreck Salitis, 
what I want out of that cover so that okay. you can understand what's in my head. So I've had, I've had the, I've had the pleasure of working with three really amazing cover artists, Lance Bond, Florence Chan and Kenzie Carr. So, um, I, the way I did it was I decided like, so I decided to look at the artists I wanted to do, look at their strengths and kind of tailor something to their strengths. Florence is amazing that she can do just about anything, right? But um, her style kind of fit the Watcher series perfectly. And I was like, okay, can you do something along the lines of a, like, and we talked about things in some details and it worked out. With Kenzie, with Alice Zero coming out on August 21st, I was going, Yay! I, I, I want to do, I want to do a creepy, I want to do kind of like an Alice in Wonderland horror story. Can we do that? And the we do the playing cards thing on the cover. Awesome. And with Lance, I just let him do his thing because he, <laughs> he just yeah. He's a mind reader. He can literally read your well, mind. Well, no, I, I all I told Lance was I wanted to feel like a video game. Okay, ah. done. Right, it, right. So when I go to so I go to Katie, right? I would look at what she does really well, first and foremost, and that's just looking at her covers, look at different samples, kind of see what she's comfortable doing, what she does on all of them, what she doesn't do on all of them. Okay, what? So I'm going for creepy horror vibe. I'm just going to assume it's going to be creepy horror vibe because it's huge. So, yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be about some guy, somebody getting chewed up by a. No, a we're not going to type Jay. He's going to write about fucking unicorns. Okay, okay, okay. So it's going to be about a unicorn putting the guy through a wood chipper. Be cannibalistic unicorns. It's going to be about a cat that smells like shit. <laughs> okay, that too. That too. So you go. So you go to. So you go to Katie. So you go. You go to Katie. You go. So, Katie, I want a cat that flings poo. That's the cover. That's what I want for the cover. Go nuts. And then Katie would be like, I'm living the dream. And then we'll just come up with something, we'll come up with something like that. But what, what, what you, what you, what you, what you, honestly, what you do with any, like what I've learned with covers is, it's, one, they have to be flashy. So that's why I always get an artist, like a real, like a, a professional artist that knows what the hell they're doing. Cause I certainly don't. And two, um, look very closely at, the strengths of the person you're dealing with because the person you're dealing with has a skill set and they can do some incredible things in that skill set have a vision of what your tone should be have a vision of what like like the bit of it, like what your concept is and then just give it to her and get out of the way yeah i'll, I'll second that you you want to start off by one finding an artist that has a style that you're looking for so the, the style of their art has to match the vision you have. Secondly, you want to have a vision. Don't just go to a cover artist and go, I need a book cover and I have a fluffy unicorn as my character. It's not enough information to go off of. Usually when I talk to clients, I'll say, okay, tell me what you're looking for. Give me the synopsis of your book. And then I want you to go out and I want you to find some book covers similar to what you're looking for, because that gives me a visual of what's in their head. And that also tells me of the style that they're looking for, the type of typography can, that they like. Yep. Can I, can I do a fun example with Katie right now? I'm going to talk about my current novel I'm working on. So I want a female version of Parker slaying a dragon. Okay. I don't know what that means. So have you ever heard of the Parker novels? By yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you meant. Yeah. No. So do like there was a movie they made. They made a movie of one of them, right? Well, yeah, payback's the movie. But actually, oh, okay. look up the Darwin Cook Parker novels. Like, just look that mm. up. Pull it up right now, so I can. Oh, is that the Mel, Mel Gibson movie? That is one of them. Yes, Jason Statham did one as well. They did a uh, more recent one, yeah. right? Okay. Parker, the concept of the character I wanted. So basically, what I'm what I just told her is I want a grimy, pulpy story that kind of feels like, and with a badass woman killing a dragon. <laughs> okay. That's, that's pretty much what I told her. It's enough for her to get an idea of what I kind of want. Give her a synopsis of the book to so just give her an idea of what the book is actually about, and let her go nuts. And I, I mean, and it's important that you get that that you get what the book's about on the cover, basically, mm -hmm. in some way. So it doesn't have to be a direct thing. I mean, like, like I do my own covers, so I don't actually have to communicate to book designers or anything uh, for the most part. I mean, I have commissioned art because I'm not an artist. I just do photo manipulation and stuff like that. But uh, when I like this, my most my, one of my more recent books is it's it's a sim it's a symbolic it's a fantasy cover. So it's more symbol. What what's the word? Sy symbolistic. It's it's just a symbol. It's not like a there's no character on the cover, but the symbol is made is basically this like this 
combination. It looks like it's made of gold, but it's it's a bunch of different animal silhouettes. Because that's the the whole book. The book is about this empire of shapeshifters, and they can all tra- and bunches of them can transform to different kinds of animals. So that's the kind of thing that books about. But and it worked very well for fantasy because you know uh, it's not it because there are so many characters. You know, it's, it encompasses all sorts of stuff. So it's it, but you wouldn't. I, and I the, I don't think anyone would have made me that book cover except myself because I don't know how to tell them that. So I guess that's the bottom line. I don't know how to communicate to other people. <laughs> Uh, at least not about that kind of thing. So what I'm hearing is you want to hold on loosely, but don't yes. let go. Because if you cling too tightly, I mean, you're, you're going to lose control, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you talking about your cat now? There's this Metallica song, love is control, I'll die if I let go. That, 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 that's, not, that's not a healthy thing. So this is what I find with, with cover artists. Cover artists will go, okay, so you know that fee I was going to I, I was going to charge you. I'm going to double and triple or triple that, depending on how much of a headache <laughs> this is going to be. I, I, I actually like my 400th episode was about what I've learned as a freelancer, and one of the things I I, I talk about is the whole concept of resentment. You never want to ever make your cover artist or anybody you deal with resent the job. Your costs will go up and your headaches on both ends go up and nobody's happy. You would rather if you would rather you take a look at their thumbnail sketch, just say yes or no. If there's little changes, sure. I mean, there's always a room for some small changes, but if the vision doesn't fit what you had in mind, shake hands and walk away. You will be in a much better position than if you go for it and you're not happy because your artist is not going to be happy eventually either. And then there's going to be resentment. And then neither of you will ever work together again. Yeah. Better to walk away when you guys realize that the vision is not going to fit. Right. That's, and that's usually at the thumbnail sketch. So make sure the thumbnail is. Um, so make sure the thumbnail, you're really comfortable with the thumbnail. Uh, because if you're comfortable with that, um, you can go forward. If you're not comfortable with that, walk away just just honestly you will there will be a lot less headaches involved otherwise you're gonna have a finished product you're miserable with that you're gonna have to pay for or not pay, or if you don't pay for um you're gonna have again some very unhappy people you're not gonna be happy so it, it's always a good idea if you can to to part out the job so getting mock-ups done as part of a job and then approving those. And if you approve those, then you move on to finalizing them. If you can do it in stages too, especially if you're uncertain whether or not the artist is gonna be for you, that can be a better way to work with them and, and part ways if you don't like their work without causing any hurt feelings. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, you're no, right. Also, also Rebecca said, right. <laughs> also Rebecca, I, I, the, you, you jogged my memory. The, the word I was looking for before was iconographic. That's the kind of cover that I did for that series. I thought um, you were going to make a comment about the thumbnail, and I was like, "No, oh, I don't have any. I don't right. have anything to say about thumbnails, <laughs> <laughs> except for the except for the the the, prox- the number of thumbnails that must be in a creature made entirely out of hands." But that's the kind of thing I deal with all the time in my fiction. And and what's the number? That's it. Depends how many hands it has. Oh, okay. It's right. one per hand, I okay. think, <laughs> unless it's like got koala hands, which gets to be two yeah. per hand. <laughs> So. I don't know what's happening here. I'm sorry. I just I do have hand monsters. I have them. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, so we all have one very important mind-blowing thing in common besides the fact that we're all white and that is that we're all podcasters. Well, and authors too. I mean, there's that too. So um, two things. Well, so like three we've, things. I'm like three things. Yeah, I mean, we've got two relevant things we could talk about tonight, guys. I mean, we could talk about writing. We could talk about podcasting. You know what? I get asked by people, and Josh, you'll love this one, is people ask me, how do you get people to open up to you? And and for me, I never really have an answer for that. But, like, you are the master at getting people to open up with you, Josh. You really are. Uh, I listen. That's honestly it. It's like there's no other magic secret to it. I, when I'm interviewing somebody, I like I for me, my own personal fascination when I interview people on my show is I want to get the idea of the person's story. 
and I want to become a fan of that person. Like, like that is a legitimate want with every person that comes on here. So I think I think in part people feel that when they're when they're, when they're with me that I actually care. The other thing too is I just listen. I don't force anything. I scare people sometimes because like, what's your prep? Um, none. <laughs> I, I remember, yeah. I, I, Good I, man. Tracy, Sorry, I'm laughing at Rebecca, not you. <laughs> yes. Tracy Cooper Posey, I remember, came on my show like on I Went Words Collide last year. She signed up to be interviewed by me. It's like, what are we going to talk about? And I go to her, I will figure it out as we go. And the look on her face was priceless. <laughs> priceless. But we had a great interview. Like, we had a fantastic interview because it, would, it was just two people. I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to get to know her story, what she does. And, you know... Actually, one interview I remember having, and it was great, and I, I kicked myself because my, I sucked at recording at the time. I was in Phoenix, and I was uh, interviewing Chris Wood, Big Chris. I don't, like Katie might know him. If, you go, if she's ever been in, down there, he's an artist. He does these really cool shirts, right? What I didn't know, what, um, what I didn't know about him was he was also he's a big video game guy. We didn't even talk about that. We ended up talking about his t-shirt designs, which is him talking about playing cards, which led to his battle with cancer, which led to him designing a, a tarot deck. And we just went along the gamut. Like, and all I'm doing is talking and listening and just picking up and just picking up things. That's the other thing too. I have a lot of practice talking to people. I can usually pick up on things that other people don't always notice. I have a lot of practice at it though. So, well, and this, this may be a really silly question. And, Rebecca, I love you too, honey. Um, how do you, how do you get that practice? You know, if if somebody's looking at, you know, wanting to become a podcaster or or do a show like this or be on a show like this and wants to be able to to work well, you know, how do you have any recommendations on how okay, people can so practice? Okay, so when I when, when I start when I started, okay, I've been interviewing people for about twenty years, so I actually have a lot of practice interviewing. When you start, um, when you start prep is good. I've gotten to the point where I can have a conversation with anyone. I'm very confident that I can do it. It doesn't matter who the guest is. I can have a conversation with Rob Sawyer. I can have a conversation with Savannah Denise and I can have a conversation with anybody in between. And I truly, the other advantage I have, I don't really care who you are in the sense of your status in the world. Mm. I don't care. And that actually is to my advantage because what happens is without, I cut away a lot of the, um, the, the pretension and I get right down to it. And then as long, and then, and then, so it works, it works in my favor. But when you're starting prep, what are you interested in about with this person legitimately? Start there. Cause that will, your legitimate interests will trigger a legitimate response from the person you're interviewing. Whether it's Kelly Armstrong or whether it's Spider Robinson or whether it's um, Our Day Gamer, which is a streamer interview, it doesn't really matter. The important thing is Find what you're interested in talking about and see where it resonates and get practice with that. As you get better with interviews, as you do more of them, you're going to realize that questions aren't natural. Like if you actually yeah. listen to my podcast, I don't ask a lot of questions. I do some like that they're naturally come up, but I very rarely go down the question route anymore. In fact, I try to avoid them altogether. Which is, I think, Mark, and you can do a really good interviews when you don't need questions anymore. You can just talk about the person, just have a good back and forth. Um, I think uh, a, a, a person I interviewed named Simon Rose, he was such a character that I threw all my questions out the window. And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it this way forever. And it's worked, whether it's Rob Sawyer, whether it's Jonas Saul, whether it's Fonda Lee, whether it's, it doesn't matter. Because again, people respond to you being genuine. But you get to that point, start with prep. Like, like honestly, what are you interested in the author? None. And and if you're going to interview an author, go past the how do I get published? Don't 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 yeah. go there. Yeah. Don't go don't go there first. Go with what have they done? What are you as a fan, a fan of them? Like be legit. Like they will respond to that, even if they hate that book. Some authors do hate their stuff. That's the way it is. But even if they hate that book, they won't hate the fact that you're enthusiastic about them. And they will respond to that accordingly. And that's how you build it. And once you get more practice, you can, you can, it's always good to have some prep, 
but you get to a point where you don't really need it because you recognize, like, you know how to talk to a person. You'll get into that practice of it. And then, I mean, guys, I've interviewed all of you. Have I actually ever asked any of you a question? Uh, something about not about ever anything, saying anything incriminating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, Josh, you know, I, I think you're a hundred percent right with that. And uh, when I was still doing the Raven regularly, um, I, I always read the person's book before I have the author on. And that was kind of the, the thing with that, you know, that way I could really dive deep. And the cool thing about doing that is, is invariably in every book that I read, there's, there's always something that I really enjoy. So I would base my topics kind of around those things that I really liked in, mm-hmm. in structure. So I wasn't wasn't totally just freewheeling it. I would kind of structure things around, okay, I want to talk about this and this and this, but, you know, instead of asking questions, I would just kind of lead them in the direction I wanted them to go so that we could, we could talk about this or that, or how did you get this kind of scene to come together for you? And it's a little bit different than what you do, but, you know, I, I feel like as soon as you ask a real question with a question mark at the end of it, some people kind of clam up a little bit. Well, like I said, I I said this off the air. I uh, tried to get somebody to come on my show that was uh, that's doing a political book, and they want to know what we were going to talk about beforehand. It's like I don't know. Like I I just I I, we'll we'll figure it out as we go. And they got very uncomfortable with that idea, right? And so they they they, I gave them an out, and they and they took it. Um, you know, they then they took it, but um. Yes, Jay. You, actually, you have a really good podcast. I, I, I was I was trying to make a heart, but I don't know. No, no, no you did. I, 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 heart, heart, but I, you, know, you actually have a really good podcast. I'm, I hope you do it more. Honestly, oh. I, but, I, I uh, the concept of treating people as interesting and not necessarily the book, though, to, to yeah. kind of contrast what what Jay's saying about reading the book and finding something interesting in it. A lot of times, and this may just be me and my perspective, but when you're interviewing an author, they're, they're so used to the book being center stage. That when you focus on the person rather than the book, they open up a little more. I like that. Well, no, that's true. Yeah, I think that I, I really like focusing on the person over the story, but I also like focusing on the process of how they got the story. If there's a book in question, or which there usually is on my show. And I, I, honestly, the other thing too is our what interests us as interviewers definitely mm-hmm. dictates the kind of interview we tell too. Now, I will say this, and this is my experience when you start dealing with really successful people in any industry, they are a lot more guarded than the average person. And I think when you meet those people, what you have to understand about them is, it's not that they are, they are this way on purpose. They are this way because they are incredibly successful people. And a lot of people will try to take from them without, like, like because you have something and we want it. And so they have a natural tendency to have their guard up, right? Because they need to. It's just it's just the way it is. Um, some a couple of my guests, I know when I go in there, there are just some things I'm not going to be able to talk to them about. It's just not. It's nothing personal. It's just they have they they've developed their walls and shields a certain way, and that's just the way it is. It's not a bad thing. It's just you recognize it. But you can still, within that confines, uh, have a great conversation with them. You just got to recognize where the boundaries are. They're not, the, the only thing I say about that is it's not always a written rule. You have to figure that one out on there. But you can tell when you meet a really successful person, they tend to be a little bit more guarded than average. It's not a knock to you. It's completely the fact of the nature of the business they're in and what they have to do to survive. And I think that that is something that might get missed. Like, yeah, I can tell when I interview Rob Sawyer, it's a very different conversation than when I interview Tim. And it's not because Tim, Tim's a, Tim's, um, Rob has certain things, certain levels of success that require him to be a certain way. Now, when Tim becomes that uber successful dude, he will have those similar, he will have similar walls, huh. right? That's right? interesting yeah. thought. I wouldn't necessarily think that, but you're probably right. Yeah. You well, have to. Well, personality you know, like, plays a lot, too, and what people are, are naturally willing to open up to. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I just think, like, when you deal with, like, incredibly successful people, you have to recognize that there's going to be walls there. And you have to be respectful of those walls because 
this is not, they're not doing it because they're necessarily trying to be mean or, or they're, I have met two really successful people that I thought weren't really that nice people. Everybody else I've actually interviewed has been terrific, but I, but some of them have been, some of them have been, um, some of them just have just certain walls up just simply based on the fact that they have success. They have a lot of people vying for their attention, time, opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, that they just developed a certain, I'm not going to say callous, just, just, they uh, just. Protectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. They're protective of their time and their energy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly, and that's exactly it. And I've had the opportunity, like I said, to talk to some really cool people and it's there. But if you recognize it, you can still have a great conversation with them. Mm. I do like the point you made earlier about um, not letting somebody's status affect your ability to talk to them. Because I do think a lot of times, especially when you're starting out, you're afraid of the the people who have made it. And you don't want to embarrass yourself, not necessarily afraid, but you don't want to embarrass yourself or embarrass your show by doing or saying something wrong. So you, you naturally want to kind of close up and, and be on your best behavior when talking to them, but that can also cause problems that, that avoids that whole natural flow when you do that. I was just going to say it's, you know, like, uh, like Josh was just saying, if you listen and, and look for the, the common elements between you, like I, I just interviewed uh, Ellen Hopkins, who's a multimillionaire New York times bestselling author out there in, in Nevada. And it was one of the most fun, productive interviews I've, I've ever done because she, she just, she was just really a personable um, character who didn't mind talking about her own life as well as your books. And that's kind of like, that's where I thrive. It's like, Oh, okay. If we can get into personal stuff as well, then we can just talk and talk and talk. And I think it makes such a difference. Whereas I, the, the second person I interviewed for the library this year, um, while she was a, perfectly adequate guest. Um, she was very, um, or she was more tight-lipped. Um, she she didn't necessarily want to talk and talk and talk about things, have a conversation. She just wanted to answer questions. And so I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a whole different ball game today. And uh, so we're, we're, we're still going to play ball, but. <laughs> so I, I can't, I'm going to put, I'll, I'll, I'll give two stories. You know what my first podcast conversation was with? Ooh. Robert J. Sawyer. Wow. That's intimidating. That is intimidating. <laughs> now, now I, I had this like for five, I, I can hear it when I, it's episode 20 in my archives on my YouTube channel. You can listen to it. For the first five minutes, I can hear it in my voice. I am intimidated by Rob. Rob's a good guy. Um, We have a really good back and forth when we get past that five minutes. But for that first five minutes, you can hear it. I, um, the only thing I would say, Katie, it's not. It's not that you're intimidated or worried about ruining the show. I, I never, maybe I'm strange. I never worry about that. It's Robert Sawyer. I grew up reading Robert Sawyer, and oh my God, I'm talking to him. What am I doing? Fanboy, fanboy style. Yeah, I still, I, 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 I still get that for some. Like, I, I just talked to Christina Z not too long ago, and and. Such a, she's such a curious person. But I grew up reading her back in, when, in my comic book days, Master Dark, Witchblade. Like, that was her. It's like, holy shit, I'm talking to... Like, there's still a little bit of that, right? And, and I'm a fan. I mean, I'm always going to be a fan. I'm a fan. The second one, I, the second point I was going to say there, um, with quiet people, when how they carry a conversation, pause. I actually find I actually find that when you, I interviewed a poet named Joanne Markham. She's just a very quiet person, just 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 very quiet. Nothing wrong with that. What I figured out after I interviewed her a second time, and I realized, you know what? If I just stay silent and pause, she'll say more. She just, she'll just they fill in the the gaps. No, 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 not even. It wasn't even awkward. It's just because she's so quiet. That it, it takes her, she's one of those people that just, she has big thoughts, it just takes her a little longer to get them out uh, and say it because she's just so quiet. So you let that quiet be there and she'll just, she won't, it won't be like an awkward pause, awkward feeling. It'll be a natural, because now you've slowed the pace down. You slow mm -hmm. it down and suddenly they're a lot more comfortable, right? So. 
Well, and, and going back to your other point about the five minutes, for the longest time now, Spilling Ink is celebrating its fourth anniversary from September. I can't believe wow. we've been on the air for four guys. years. Are you going to come out to Michigan to celebrate? God, I wish I could. Um. Man, I wish. Um, but sorry, back on point. Um, those first five minutes, and this happens whether I was doing the show initially or whether I was doing um, panels at, at conventions, there was always that first five minutes. And you could hear it if you go back and listen to older shows where the, the voice is warbling, the words are coming out a little too fast, and, and it takes that five minutes to reset your natural pacing and, and get comfortable again. And I don't know when that dropped off, but I remember every show just going get past that five minutes. We'll be fine after that five minutes. So it was, this is the mental thing I would tell myself every time. Well, and I think that since we've been doing this for a few years now, and the, this was the first show I had I had ever done. I think it was I'm like episode two or something of the show. I don't yeah, know. You were one of our first guests, and we yeah, poured you and, in uh, our host. <laughs> well, it, it's just I I think that once you let go of the fear of embarrassing yourself once you just accept that you can be who you are and if you make mistakes it's okay i think that becomes a lot easier like at the beginning of every show i don't know what the hell i'm gonna say sometimes it sounds professional sometimes it's about why does my office smell like poop right now i don't know it's still bothering me quite a bit actually but the, the you know often work for us though you know <laughs> It's that natural flow into to greeting everybody. You get a little behind the scenes on what we've been doing. Yeah. Well, we're just people, you know, we, we write books and make podcasts and take care of our kids or pets or work or whatever we do. I mean, essentially, most people have some of the same struggles. You know, we, we can relate to each other in, in a lot of ways. And, and I think that's where we connect. But, Tim, we, we haven't really heard a lot from you. You have a, a shorter form show uh, yeah. than, than the other ones of us. So you're trying to pack pack a little bit more info into that shorter time. You know, Do you have a, a basic structure that you use or do you kind of wing it? Well, I mostly wing it. I, I, have, I do make a little text file for every show, every episode, before the episode usually. Um, and I just, I just have the name of the guest, then I write the topics in all caps under that. And then I just write the, the, and then under that, it's always intro. And that's all it says because I ask the guest to introduce himself most of the time. And then after that, I write two or three lines of, you know, that are just like a few words each. They're just things that I want to talk about with this guest. And then after that, it, there's nothing else. That's the entire, that's all the notes I do for a show. And I don't, I, I used to do more. I used to do more interviewee stuff, you know, but now I don't even think of the show really as an interview. It's more of just a conversation that I want to have. And I don't worry too much about getting information across because I think that just kind of happens. If yeah. you're, if people are interested in what we're saying, usually that's then they found the right show. You know, if they haven't found the right show, they're not going to be interested in what I'm saying anyway, or what the, my guest is saying most of the time either. Well, and I, I told you what I was, cause I was just on your show a week or two yeah, ago. Yeah. It was not long ago. And I think I told you, I actually really looked forward to it because you're, you're such a, an easy person to talk to. And I don't know what it is about you. You're just, I know it's just it's nice to have a conversation with you and and i think that that's a perfect perfect personality for doing this kind of work. well that's funny because actually i had a really hard time learning to talk to people because i'm okay. autistic i have asperger's yeah. syndrome I, and I, it's a huge part of my life and i originally thought i hated people when i was a teenager i, I couldn't t talk to people i was afraid of people basically it's it's crazy because back when i was uh you know because I, I went to an alternative school between fifth and between sixth and seventh grade. And and when I transitioned and there were like 10 kids in my class, that's the entire school, the entire high school of that class was 10 people probably. And so when I had to go back, start going back to a public high school, I had the hardest time just dealing with the halls because I was terrified of all the sound and stuff. Hmm. And, uh, and the kids moving around, I'm like, okay, this is too much. And, but and eventually I transitioned to, you know, and so, so my whole point that at first the, the biggest trap for me was just not being in the hallways during passing times between classes. But now I could do that easily. It's weird. It's a, it's one of those crazy things. Like I, the problem that seemed insurmountable now became one of my, my strengths really dealing with people and not necessarily in crowds. I still much, much prefer talking to a few people at a time because me too. otherwise it gets a little busy. That's Me similar too. to how we started spilling ink too. Yeah. It was uh, originally David and I 
we not only wanted to have conversation, but we also both were kind of apprehensive when it came to talking to people. And it's kind of a, you know, what is it when you, you reprogram yourself by doing the thing that, that you're afraid of? Right. Yeah, you got to, you take this, you take the thing you're afraid of and make it your strongest suit. Yeah. And that's the, the that. And then when you can do that, you don't have the weakness anymore. Now you have a strength instead. And that's, that's just the core of all skill training. And I'm really into skill learning. You know, I, you can, and talking to people is a skill. Absolutely. I, I can confirm that because I, you know, I've just never done it. I, I was never good at it as a kid or as a teenager. You know, it was always awful. And so, even through college, I feel like I was just a, a goblin, basically. So, so, Tim, I do have one question, though. I, yeah. I, I actually do enjoy the fact that your show is more compact. But is there a particular reason why you go with such a compact show? it's legitimate because no it is a legitimate question yeah yeah uh i just kind of started like originally the episodes were longer i would do an hour long episode uh every week and then i thought I, I don't know i just i just started i just thought what's more fun for me and i thought get them in quick talk to them as i mean i don't know i like talking to people but i also get tired quickly probably because it's work for me no, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's very it's enjoyable it's, you know, no, so it's more no. just a limitation I have, honestly. No, and and I think that's an important thing you got. I think you brought up there too is that you, what's fun for you, yeah, right? Like you, you, like for you, it's about like you love those, like those short, short but impactful conversations. You like the, you like having a real conversation with somebody, but you also just like you know what? I'm good at a half hour. I'm good at forty minutes, and I'm good with that. Step in. Say my piece, walk away. Nothing wrong with that. It's just, it, no, it, yeah. I, mean, I didn't think you were saying it was. Yeah. 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 Well, well and There's yeah, and we all have our kind of our comfort zones. I, I think for me, I've, I've found that around 46 minutes and 40 seconds is usually <laughs> about where I, I'm feeling good. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I do. I, Suddenly we're cut the show here. <laughs> I, I do have a, a question for you guys to, to riddle out, and maybe you guys can help me with this since you're, you're, you all talk to people. I can be on stage in the auditorium talking to any number of people and I am perfectly comfortable. Like I'm like a peacock up there. It, it's, it's crazy. But if I were down where the people are sitting trying to make small talk, I would have a near all out anxiety attack. Ooh. So I, what? I, I have a theory. You're turning it on. I, I, I have a theory. Does anybody want to go first before I... You go, I, you go first, Joshua. Okay. We're going to go last, damn it. Okay. <laughs> um, because when you're on stage, you have a bubble. Mm. Because when you're on stage, you have a bubble. Because when you're on stage, it's a crowd. You don't have a specific person you're speaking to. You're speaking to everyone. And there's a bubble between you and the audience, even if it's just a physical representation of the stage. You're not actually talking to one person. You're talking to everyone, right? So now someone like might, blur. Yeah. Right. Now, if you were talking to say me one on one, and I'm 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 probing you, you're like, oh shit, what's he gonna find out about me? And then suddenly I'm getting uncomfortable and awkward, and 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 I want to go home, and I'm gonna oh, run screaming out. out we're the talking door. about a different kind of probing here. I was just <laughs> thinking, <laughs> what? This, is not, this doesn't sound like what we got to talk to Heather first, but <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is, when you're when you're when you're one on one with somebody, you're actually in in a very real way, you're more vulnerable, yeah. and it takes a certain degree of trust. The other mistake you're making too is you're going with small talk, and you shouldn't just skip the small talk. They either talk real or just go home. You will find that if you're genuinely yourself, it's a little easier. And if people react weirdly to you, well, they, well fuck it. They, they weren't going to be who you were going to talk to anyway. So move on, right? Hey, my thing smells like Papu. I mean, that's a heck of an icebreaker, right? I mean, just go with that <laughs> and see what happens. But, um, but I mean, just, but I mean, that's the thing, right? One-on-one, -on -one, you, 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 a person's paying a lot more attention to you. Yeah. In a crowd, in a crowd, even though everybody's kind of focused on you, there's no intimacy. Whereas on a one-on-one -on -one environment, there's that's all it is. You know, there is an environment where you get the worst of both worlds. I agree with you totally, Josh. I think that makes oh, sense. No. But there's this, and it's but it's one of my favorite environments to be in, honestly. 
And that's okay. when you're running when you run an RPG, when you're a game master, a dungeon master for a group of gamers, and there's like four or five of them, so you've got a fairly intimate group. But then you're also the center of attention, and they have to ask you every time they want to do anything in the game. They ask you a question, and you ask them questions all the time. So, but it's but the because the thing that makes it really fun is there are rules, and that's like that's where I was kind of going with kind of thinking when you were talking about being on stage, right? You can go on stage because there are rules. People aren't going to be talking to you. I mean, they might heckle you, I guess, if you can if they're getting upset. I don't know exactly what what you're on stage for. Uh, in this you case, should, you should see me in real life. I, I'm really imposing looking, even though I'm not. Nobody would heckle me. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I mean, I, I kind of think it might be so, similar for me. I don't know. I mean, I'm a pretty big dude. I don't know. I, I but think oh, anyway, I was just going to say that generally, I mean, if you're sitting at a table with four people who are just there to have a good time and they're all friends, you know, we're all friends here, is the, the, the error at that table. But then, if you drop the ball, there's no going back. That's the that's the other thing with, uh, and it's similar with a podcast, at least for me, because I basically don't edit my show. <laughs> but uh, you know, if I drop the ball, I might I might have to blackball or that entire episode, not mothball the episode, never use it. Or, but but that's even worse. It was even worse in in a in RPG, and I, it's one of my favorite things to do, honestly. With an RPG, there's no going back. Those people all heard what you said. You can't retcon too much. And so it really is the ultimate discovery writing, but it's also a social ac activity, you know. There, yeah, I know I, I got good at social stuff. There's a balance of the game as a game master. The, the the whole power thing and being the center of attention for a purpose, I think that's what helps. Um, and okay, again, just for me, it may not work the same for others, but. I have a lot of, of social anxiety and I get very nervous before show and Jason can probably attest to this because when I was up there in Michigan last year, the moments before we got on stage, I was just like sweating, pacing, nervous. But the moment we went on, I was there mm -hmm. because and, I had and, a purpose for being there. And I knew yeah. that I was going to be answering mm -hmm. questions that people were interested in. I had information to share with other people and, and that short circuits the fear for that brief mm -hmm. amount of time. As soon as you, yep. As soon as you got in front of them, because you were you were wigging out pretty pretty good. And when you got to, when you did your workshop, it, it was full. Your workshop was completely full. And so, but as soon as you turned that projector on, it was just like boom. You were you were on. Katie was on. It was yeah. all business, Katie. And you were. It was it was it was like all the all of your nervousness just kind of melted away, or at least that's what it looked like. Um, yeah, and, and that's what it felt like, too. I was in the zone. I knew I was delivering information that was going to be helpful to other people. I had a certain time limit to do it in, so I needed to just get through it. And that for that, I nailed it, too. I, like, nailed it right at 8 p.m. I said my final word. It was, like, <laughs> full hour. I couldn't have done it any more perfect. And right there, it was on, and then it went off again, and then I was back to normal me. <laughs> that sounds a lot like actually how I tackle dictation because it is stressful to think about dictating, but dictating is actually really easy, at least for me. I don't know. When I, that's how I do my fiction now, of course. So it's important to be able to do the fiction easily, but then I get stressed out just thinking about writing anything, which is weird. It shouldn't be. After 18 years of writing fiction, you'd think you'd get more comfortable with it. No, but no. I'm right there yeah, with I mean, you. It's I'm one of those weird you. things like, no, it's just like now I'm even more scared than I was when I started. Yep. I'm, I'm, I just have more bravery too. <laughs> You're well, not alone, my friend. No, I, 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 I'm working on my second thing this year for my third release, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I've done it oh, before, yeah. but but it's like, what the hell am I doing? I don't know what I'm That's doing. The feeling, you know, you know, yeah. the feeling where you're writing. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, this book's. I just, I, well, I don't know. It's 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 compounded by the fact that I used to write about a quarter of the speed I go now. You know, like now I'm like, oh, I'm bare, I'm breaknecking through this story now. Like it's in an hour, I can do more than, you know, I can do 50, 30 pages or whatever. It's insane. When you know where you're going, though. The words just flow. Yes. The moments of doubt that make you stall and make it feel like, and then it's over, and we can ruin the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But that's a difference. That's a that's a different podcast. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Overcoming doubt and cat poop by filling. Yeah. I was gonna say, what don't we talk about? Well, no, I just meant—I meant we're we're a little low on time to get into that. That's all. Like that, we're low on time, guys. Come on, come on, tighten it up. <laughs> that's what? my that's my instinct. Oh, uh, well, you know, you know, I I'll tell you what. Since we've got 
uh, five minutes and 30 seconds left, and it's going to take five minutes and 25 seconds. I think that Joshua better tell us about his new business venture. So I've been quietly doing, like, ever since COVID's happened, uh, I've been actually reading my novel every weekend since COVID happened. And after the second week of doing this, I've been inviting authors to come on and read. Ahem, I digress though. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's been a cool, it's been a cool experience. But the reason, one of the reasons um, I've been doing this is I've been teaching myself how to do an audiobook. Mm. And I think what I'm going to be offering going forward is for authors the opportunity I can make audiobooks for authors. I have a lot of connections to voice actors. I can probably get a hold of. I can take the thing myself. I, I certainly have lots of experience playing with audio. So it's like, I, I feel it's something I could do. I'm a fan of stories anyway. And if I can help an author get their story out into a market they've never actually considered, that'd be great. I'm going to get started at that with When Words Collide next two weeks. Um, not the stuff you've listened to on my podcast, but actually the really, really good stuff <laughs> is getting worked on. I'm going to actually have samples up by the time When Words Collide hit, it happens in a few weeks. And I'll be advertising if people want me to make an audiobook for them, you can do it and I'll do it with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. But it's not it doesn't involve probing. Sometimes. <laughs> Unless you want it to. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people track you down to, to talk about this new service? Well, I'm gonna be starting to advertise it this week on the podcast. Probably I'm I've been working on my web. The weakest part of my whole freelancing career has been my webpage. It's just been time. I haven't had, I've been so busy with everything and just putting that all together. But uh, jpentoresco at wordpress.com, but you'll be starting to hear advertisements about it in the coming weeks on the podcast uh, just because it's a way to build it up. And I'll probably officially, the official announcement unveiling will be at Windwards Collide. Uh, the panel I'm going to talk about this specifically is going to be my advertising panel why people should be advertising during a pandemic and why it's actually important more than ever. And I talk about the whys and how you can do it. And that's where I'm going to probably hit the whole pitch. But I've been quietly building towards this since March because I've been, I've been teaching myself. That's why all the episodes, some of them are more experimental than others. I'm learning an awful lot about how to do play with sound. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So I can't wait. I'm hoping people are interested. So, so let me let, let me ask you this because my only experience with audiobooks has been through ACX. Um, so, if someone wants to use you or some other voice talent that you're connected with for an audiobook, um, I, I want to briefly kind of hear about the process. They they hire you and pay you, and then it's uploaded to ACX on their end, or how does I, it work? I, I'm going I'm I'm to look at the different uploading things. I'm literally looking at that right now, so I can't really fully answer that entirely. Okay. Um, basically, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to, I'm going to be looking at the different audio channels. Like, that's why I, I haven't officially launched anything yet. I'm not there, but essentially, you're going to hire me. I'm going to put the book together. Gonna, the idea is I'm going to have the file ready for distribution in a variety of channels. And... Like I said, once I have those channels fully ready and willing, at least I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get there. Uh, things I'm going to always ask clients is, like, are, what are you looking for? Am I doing it? Are you doing Are you do, doing it? And I'm just putting files together. Just like a bunch of, like, as Katie does client work. Like, what am I at? What problems am I actually solving for you? Right? And if it's just distribution, I might just help just, just pay me a fee just to show you how to distribute it yourself. But if you want me to build it from scratch, like we'll talk about how to do that specifically. So okay, okay, really cool, man. I'm yeah, cool. I'm excited to to see how that that goes for you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a logical progression. It, it's a logical progression of what I'm already doing. Like yeah. I, I I don't feel like this is out of my wheelhouse at all. I was asked about doing that a year ago, but I'm like, okay, I have the time. And I have the ability to do it, so why not do it? So well, I, I'll have to get your your contact info. Cause I actually had a client last night asking me if I knew who she could contact to do an audiobook. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's something people are definitely interested in. Yeah, I, I yeah, like we'll, we'll have to talk and and kind of see what they're both going for. Like and like I said, I'm I'm. I think from a genre standpoint, there's some things I'm definitely more comfortable with than others. I'm not sure I'm your erotic fiction guy. I'm just being very blunt about that. I'm not sure <laughs> I got into that. 
There's a all thing. Pro, like, all probes that. aside. I can see no. that. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not my thing, but I can. Def- I, I know, and I, and I, like I said, I can even help you with the process in terms of your interest a consultation too. So, and, and that's, that's what people think. They need to understand the process and decide whether or not that they can do it. Yeah, so that's an excellent service. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Katie, do you want to wrap us up for for tonight? We're just about out of time here. I know. Look at that. Fifty-nine minutes, fifty seconds. Man, we are good. We are. <laughs> but before we go, we got to send a shout out to our second sponsor, Miss Rebecca Jonesy. Rebecca Jonesy. We know she's listening. Hi, Rebecca. <laughs> Don't get the cattle brought out. Miss <laughs> Rebecca Jonesy is not only the COO of Three Furies Press, but she's also an amazing author of realistic fantasies that are both sexy and killer. I love that line. I really love that line. And of course, you can always find her as well as Go Indie Now's links in our show notes at the end of the show. Please check them out. Remember, liking, sharing, subscribing is so helpful to keeping our channels alive, not just ours, but to the podcasters we've had on today, as well as our sponsors. Please share the love. Yes. And we'll see you guys next week. And and please, guys, before you go, go to threefuriespress.com, search for Echoes on their little search bar. And spend $2 on the short story I wrote. Every penny of that will go straight to helping people who are protesting the injustices in our country right now. Um, we're not keeping any money from it. The publisher's not keeping any money. Uh, we're just we're trying to help make a change uh, in our world for the, for the better. So, Jay, uh, how thank- long is that going on for? Uh, right now, it's going on indefinitely. Uh, we don't have any any plans to change it, but uh, you know, the the more you can do right now, the the better. Um, so, well, sure Josh and Tim, thank you so. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Katie. Well, I just said I was going to make sure I want to throw it in my newsletter, but I want to make sure that it's still going. Yeah, for that. sure, for sure. Um, yes, Josh, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show again. We love having you guys. Oh, it's tons of fun. Thank you. <laughs> Always welcome anytime. All right. Good night, everybody.